Welcome to Color Him Dads with hosts Marvin and Jeanette Charles. Marvin, Jeanette, and their guests are here to provide tools to struggling fathers that will help them navigate systems and overcome challenges they face attempting to enter or re-enter the lives of their children and families. They're here to inform, encourage, and bring hope as they confront the epidemic of fatherlessness head-on. Now, here are Marvin and Jeanette. Hey, thank you for joining us again for our third podcast. We're excited about this opportunity to bring to you the message of fathers. Today, we have a very special guest, uh, a longtime friend who has been walking with Jeanette and I for a number of years. In fact, he probably you probably would say he was on the beginning stages of this ministry uh, with the help. Uh, I started out being very upset with him because he got us started and then he left and I was feeling like he was abandoning me, but <laughs> he's been here. He now uh, is a part of our membership, our team. He works with us now. And what I didn't understand was God sent him on a mission to gather all the information and insight that he's gotten and then brought him back to us to help us get to the next level. And I really appreciate it. This brother's name is Johnny Gage. And uh, I will come back uh, and uh, share some some insight along with he, Jeanette, my bride. And uh, we'll, we'll just see how the conversation goes. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to another edition of Color Him Dads, located in Seattle, Washington, from our dad's office. Today we have a very special longtime friend, Johnny Gage, joining us, and he's going to share with us a little bit of his journey, um, as well as how he walked into our life. I could tell it all, but I'd rather let him share his experience in helping dads become dads, and then walking with us incrementally through different journeys, different stages and phases of the growth of dads, and we're going to wind up with where he's at today working with dads. So um, I'm not going to add too much more to that. I'm going to let you hear directly from Johnny Gage himself. Johnny, welcome. Jeanette, thank you for, for having me here today. And uh, I'm just amazed. I'm always amazed at the growth of dads and what has come to fruition here today mm. and to be a part of that. Thank so. you. Thank you. You are a great part of our beginnings, mm-hmm. our humble beginnings. As our story went, we lost our kids to CPS. We put our life back together. And then we had a vision and a hope, Marvin and I, to create a safe place for fathers trying to reconnect with their children. We didn't know what it looked like back then, nor did we care. We just knew we wanted to help. Mm-hmm. You know, the pain that we suffered caused us a lot, a lot, a lot of sad and sorrowful nights. As we started our journey to put our family back together, dealing with child support, CPS, and then eventually community, learning how to live life on life's terms and finding jobs, housing, and trying to be healthy parents to our children. We had no idea what we were doing. Um, And now we're adding one more piece to our, our whole daily busy schedule of trying to help others navigate systems that had them estranged and, and felt like it was, Unbearable. They couldn't come out from underneath yeah. it. And up comes our good friend, Marvin 
knows you from right. years prior to us getting our life together, prior to even meeting me. Right. You know, you guys go way, way back. And those stories, who knew then what they would lead up to now? And so reuniting with you even. What, and, what, what What's amazing to me is that in retrospect, when I look at my own personal and professional development, uh, it just so happened I was at a place, God had me at a place mm. where I had something to contribute. Mm. And boy, because, did you have something to contribute. <laughs> because believe it or not, that was all I had. It wasn't like I had a treasure trove of information back there. It's almost like what you needed at the time is what God allowed me to contribute at the time. And I, and I thank him for that. Uh, as I coming current here, just look at once again, being in the lives of you and Marvin and dads and for whatever my skill base is, whatever God has in my, in my backpack, uh, it's what you can use. So. And back then, I want to say back then is 2000, 2001, like that, yeah. um, out of our little humble little living room, you would come by and we would ask questions. How do we start a 501c3? How do we, you know, run a program? You had the experience working with a few nonprofits prior to reconnecting with Marvin and, <clears throat> excuse me, and hearing our story of what we wanted to do. And you brought those skill sets and, like you said, your professional background in running a nonprofit mm -hmm. in Portland. Tell us more about that. Well, I, I probably, and you're right. You're absolutely right. I had experience in the administrative end of nonprofits, whether it was program director, administrative director, I mean, um, executive director. But I probably the one of the most significant uh, pieces was I had just, matter of fact, when we started, mm -hmm. I had gotten the job and was about to go away to Washington, D.C., mm. where I worked for the Milton S. Eisenhower Foundation. Wow. Wow. And in that experience, having the opportunity to work with grassroots nonprofits, multidimensional nonprofits mm -hmm. across mm -hmm. the board, mm -hmm. big shots, little shots, mm -hmm. but really getting a, a, a better understanding on how you do sort of social service delivery mm -hmm. from, from a nonprofit standpoint. And much like I see you, you guys do today, it's like while I'm learning it, I'm trying to do it. Yeah. And, and it's, yeah, again, it's, it's no question at all to me that it, it was God sent because it just so happened to be what I was learning and what I knew. Mm -hmm. And it fit. Mm -hmm. It fits. Mm -hmm. So so now imagine after all those years walking back through the door, you know, just three or four thousand foot facility, offices everywhere, client base high, all the things that a successful nonprofit does those things are happening. Again, when I think about the two people that I met and where they were in their own personal, personal, mm. spiritual, professional development and having a win willingness to just learn, to mm -hmm. just eat it up. You know, I, mm. I've told colleagues and friends of mine before how uh, by the time I got to D.C., I may be somewhere in a very, very high-powered, important meeting phone would ring and it would be you or Marvin. <laughs> Johnny, didn't you say this? Didn't you say, no, Jeanette, he didn't say that. He said this. We were adamant about yeah. trying to figure this thing out. We had no clue, but we had a passion and a desire 
to change what was happening to us mm-hmm. for others. Yeah. And you brought us the, as you said, the professional background side of it, the organizational side of it. You enlightened us mm-hmm. on some of the little steps in the beginning that we needed to pay attention to along the way. And so that became kind of an in-house, I don't want to call it an argument, mm-hmm. but Marvin and I were trying to make sure we heard you correctly. Yeah, yeah. He heard one thing and I heard another, but and, and you took I had plenty him. of notes. <laughs> I had him because I was writing. You're right. I took them notes. You and know. so I would go back to the paper at but that still wasn't good enough at that time. But to call you like we were able to mm-hmm. And you answer the phone in those high power meetings mm-hmm. and moving about the country as mm-hmm. you were, were genuine to us. Those were nuggets we will never forget. And they were necessary mm-hmm. at that time. We're navigating a new family structure, new jobs, trying to put a business together and not really focusing on how to build a business, mm-hmm. but just how to help somebody yeah, else. Right. That that's was right. the ground motivation. We want to help others. Mm-hmm. Not looking for money to do it or anything. The first five years of dad's um, operation, Marvin and I did not receive money. We got gifts and donations Mm -hmm. of some sort, you know, a car here, 150 bucks here. Mm -hmm. Well, we were doing this out of our living room. So that was actually the income level we could receive to help pay for a telephone bill because we use the phone a lot to conversate with clients and other uh, departments. Those were... The few dollars we had, and it wasn't the money we chased. We found well, big truly, reward in serving others. Attest to that to genuinely see two people motivated to get the work done. Oh yeah, and it didn't matter. Oh, yeah. I, I don't remember the time that that you talked about how much did this Mm-mm. or do that. It was get, which, to some degree, is sort of some of the underpinnings of my faith mm. because I was there and saw it. I actually saw that happen. Mm-hmm. That miracle happened. I was right there and saw it. And as I appreciate you saying, well, Johnny, you had a part of doing this and that. I took in way more than I put out to see that that's possible. But over time, I've thought, you know, especially being in sort of the industry that I work in, social betterment and nonprofits, mm-hmm. to see what what was the ingredients there that made that so possible? Mm. Well, if you think of it, there were two people that were Mm like-minded, one focused on there is not a note that you didn't take. And that honest, (laughs) honest to goodness, I still still find stuff (laughs) as I've made my move, this physical move. I still find stuff that I'll open up this piece of paper and it's some note that you had way back then. Mm -hmm. And where Mm -hmm. Marvin was, you know, Marvin can talk a cat off a fish wagon. (laughs) (laughs) So with those those ingredients together, Mm. it's a winning combination, Mm. you know. And I've thought about that before. How did they do that? Mm. So with the Lord, Mm -hmm. with those individual skill sets mm. winning combination I, i've seen like i say i was there to see it I, I know we referred to it a lot of times as starting in the kitchen in the kitchen in the kitchen so i was in the kitchen yes. and I, I saw it happen you know well you were a part of one of those main ingredients mm-hmm. let me say that being we were in the kitchen we were stirring up some stuff <laughs> You know, and I'm I'm grateful for the outcome. Mm -hmm. You know, this has been a very rewarding journey. The last 25 years, this will be our 25th year come December. Wow. um, That we've been able to just do the same thing. Mm -hmm. 
and serve so many. Um, your wit about how long this would go and what we would be into and what we would need to do along the way. Marvin is a very quick learner. Mm -hmm. He hears it, he internalizes it, and then he applies it. Right. right. I'm a little bit different. I hear it, I read it, I meditate on it. That's right. And then I start to put it together right. piece by piece and incorporate other stuff to it. And don't forget your affinity to detail. Oh, now, yeah. now I've worked up on some very professional staffs before, but I've seen, I think I mentioned this to you, I've seen no one that will edit like you do. Well. Literally, the period, no, that comma should have went here. <laughs> that, now let's take that little piece. And, and that's a skill set. That's yeah. a skill set that you have to learn. I mean, I'm in the graduate school and you don't get that. Really? So, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, I don't look. That is a gift from God because <laughs> yeah. I, I wasn't that deep into yeah. college now, yeah. but I did do some street well, stuff. And I knew work. when to put a period in it and I knew when to put a comma in it so I could return. Where do you think that comes from, <laughs> Jeanette? Well, I did do some college yeah. and I did love uh, executive assistant mm. work, office assistant work. That's I exactly what it. it is. I loved That's... it. I went to school for it uh, when IBM, when the computers first came out, and everyone had to do the control Z and the control C mm. to mm -hmm. copy and paste yeah, and all that. Yeah. That's Those were the ground lessons I learned. Mm -hmm. And then moving into the accounting part of it, being able to add the numbers together and, 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 and fiscally put dollars and cents yeah, together yeah. i i don't know i think it was just a a, a great joy to be able to bring something oh, together yeah, and yeah, then have yeah. a finished product to give to someone and you're to passionate say, about it. how do you do yeah. is this okay and if mm -hmm. not go back and and I, I this is my other little twerk i might have i'm a tinkerer mm -hmm. i love to tinker my father was a mechanic and i used to watch him put a car together, fix something on a car to where I always wanted to internally just know how to, how can I make this work? Right, right. So when I'm doing documents or writing letters or just doing the business of dads, mm -hmm. I kind of want to find a strategic, mm -hmm. a logical, organized way to do something and get it done and mm -hmm. then keep it as a repetitive uh, work that, gets the job done. Right. But keeping it simple too. You know, a period and a comma kind of separate a section right, right, and right. then put a period in it means yeah. it's to the end. You know? So I'm <laughs> loving it. that. I love that. So, and Johnny, you do that. Well you know, you come in yeah. and you say, Well what about this? That's a I'm gonna call that a comma. Let's let's go and stay with this punctuation. I like this. <laughs> We're gonna put an exclamation point on it at the <laughs> yeah, end. Yeah. Uh when we're gonna be shouting it folks. Mm -hmm. But you Come in and you put a comma in some, well, what about X, Y, and Z? If we look at or do this this way, do you think this might happen? I mean, you bring the right question to bring the extra thought process, which brings us all to a, a good end. Mm -hmm. You've done that for Marvin and I. Do, do you think, Jeanette, it, it makes me wonder. In terms of the services that you guys have provided over all these years, helping fathers, enhancing fathers, reconnecting fathers with their children, here it was an unskilled father mm -hmm. and a mom. Mm -hmm. 
and you continue to do that as strong as I've ever seen it done. I was in a, one of one of the dad's parenting classes the other night, mm. and I don't know how many times your name came up, but here these guys are trying to be on their best foot, and here this woman, this is not another father, this woman and her husband, mm-hmm. Marvin, what, what do you think contributes to Because it's still as strong as it was way back in the day. What do you think contributes to the two of you and your ability to do that? Oh, and so now you're going to interview me. Yeah, I, I've always it, wondered. It's okay. It's, <laughs> it's okay. It's um, I want to think that our lived experiences, be it woman and male, mm-hmm. Marvin's experience as a man going through trying to be a father to his children while living down his past is dynamic. It is powerful. Me as a woman sitting in a room with a bunch of men, because why? Women seem to be their biggest hurdle at the point that they come to us. The mother won't let me see my child. The courts are not listening to me. The judge is a woman. Some of those things are just, to them, automatic roadblocks. Mm -hmm. When they come to dads, there's no walls. There's no judgment. We don't separate you from them. It's not you against them. It's how can we get both of you to be healthy parents to that one child that you both created. Mm -hmm. And that, for the betterment of the child, learns how to have a healthier relationship as they grow up. Their first teachers are their parents. Their parents. Their parents. What they live out at home is what they carry into the streets, into the community, and in through their lives, in and out and through their lives. So I think the power of Marvin and I being able to cooperate under the same under the same work Mm -hmm. with helping fathers reconnect with their children is a common goal. He's lived without a father. I've lived with a father. Mm -hmm. So there's the balance and the unbalance coming from the both of us. Wow. And just, I guess, from what I just took away from what you said was that having that woman's perspective, which can sometimes see it different than I as a man can Mm -hmm. see it, Mm -hmm. and helping to calm, calm fathers down to know, there, there's no so nobody against you, Not or at all. but we're just going to work through this thing together. Yes, yeah. yes, and that is the common yeah. hope that we want to see happen here when men come in. We know their end goal is to be a part of their children's right. lives, right? And there are many people in that child's lives from both sides of the family. Mom has a side, dad has a side. There may be some disruption in either one of those sides. But if we can stop the thought of you against me and me against you, them against us, and just say this little child right here that we so beautifully were gifted with to raise, to shower with love, and to give direction, healthy, I might add, direction, why can't we do this together? You bring something, Mom, that Dad can't bring. Dad brings something that mama, we can't bring. And we need to be real with ourselves about those things. Yes, it's possible to raise a child singly, mothers and fathers. I was raised by a single father. I'm okay today. 
I've had some of my mothering in me. I lack a few things from not having my mother early on. Mm-hmm. I'll admit that. But I think that was the key part right there. I admit it. Right. Right. So I right. admit it. Yeah. It's not a deficit. Mm-hmm. It doesn't stop me from learning and growing to be better. But I admit the fact that I did lack it. But mm-hmm. it it makes me want to do better. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm praying that as we continue to do this work with fathers, that we can find a community of family, fathers, mothers, and children. That's what I consider family, and maybe it may not always work that way for whatever reasons. Don't condone anything that's crazy, domestic violence. None of that is definitely not okay. Not giving that any credit. Um But if there is a safe, healthy way that fathers and mothers can parent their children together, that is our goal here at Dads. That's our goal. And you brought that to us early when you used to watch Marvin and I with our four kids in the house. Mm -hmm. He's like, you guys are amazing. I remember you saying something like, you got these four babies over here, and you two are doing the best you can with the little bit that you have. But mm-hmm. you're doing it. Yeah. You know, you're doing it. Well, Marvin used to say then, and he continues to say this, and, and I witnessed it just the other night at that parenting class. At the end of the day, it was some guys in here who had their children with them. And, I mean, you just cannot help but get so overwhelmed with these kids playing and this and that. And Marvin says that. At the end of the day, mm-hmm. in this dad's program, mm-hmm. that's who it's about. That's what it's about. It's about those, those about kids. them babies. Yeah. That, they, right. that they get what they need to grow up to be healthy, right. efficient adults. That's you know? right. But, and it starts, you know. So important. With the role that we play as, as dads. So, so important. So, Johnny, I'm going to ask you, since you, okay, <clears throat> you've gone on to D.C., um, and at that time and in that season, let me be honest, Marvin and I was highly upset with you okay. because we were trying to get something going here. And you up and tell us, well, I'm moving to D.C. We were like, what? You're going where? We need you right here. Right. But in the fabric of that whole situation happening like it did, it taught us that we had what we needed. Yep. We just needed to put it together. Mm-hmm. And. You left us to do that. Look, I said you left us. You just left us. You got abandonment just issues. Ba- abandonment issues. I got them. Okay. But, yeah, that was good because we did stand up. We did start to walk. We did start to network. We did start to build relationships. We did start to serve more men, mm-hmm. helping men understand their position and not be so angry about their position, but knowing that they are built for this race, Mm -hmm. that they can overcome whatever challenge they've had to surmount at that time. And we proved, or they proved to themselves. I I don't, they always say we helped them do something. We didn't do anything but turn the hope, the help and the possibility back to them. Mm -hmm. And they ran with it. So they did it. We just encouraged them while they ran that race. So I thank you, Johnny, for being a part of helping us see what we could give back to the community. And when you did come, we did connect again when you were with the Eisenhower Foundation. What did you feel dads at that time? I was like, what, five, six years later. Mm -hmm. Where did you think dads was at? And growing at that phase. Well, we, we maintained, we, we stayed connected over all those years. Um, Marvin and I would talk on the phone. When I was in Seattle, I'd see you guys. 
you guys actually came. I think I, I moved to Atlanta. Even mm. though I was working in D.C., I moved to Atlanta. You guys would come stay there, Marvin, whenever he's traveling back and forth. We'd see each other. And so I, I got reports. Mm. But with the reports that I was getting, I was always surprised. They they did what? <laughs> they they put the board together, and I'm talking about the model. I mean, to today, I, I do some consulting around board development. Where you learned it, I, I know. Matter of fact, I, I tease Marvin about it all the time. I say, <laughs> Jeanette was somebody somewhere taking notes. <laughs> somewhere she was taking notes. But I saw the organizational development of dads all the way until, what, six months ago when I walked through these doors and I think about being in the kitchen with the paper on the wall mm-hmm. and and to walking up into this fabulous facility that is fully utilized. Mm. You know, client-based moving, all the program model is moving. And now I got two people who organizationally run this place. Everything from the the board of directors involvement, uh, the operations, the fundraising, the client and community outreach, mm-hmm. the same two people. So what it says, it's a testament to me that God exists. I, I, I saw that happen. I don't even try to explain it to people anymore. <laughs> you know, I, I, I talked tomorrow about some of the characteristics that I see, things like donor retention, keeping mm-hmm. people involved. And, you know, to see the high percentage and ability to do that. And again, it's like, where does that come from? It, it, it's what I hear my sons all say, say now is, who does that? Who <laughs> <laughs> taught them to do that? But uh, over the years, it's just been amazing to watch the development of dads, you know, and to get to a place now where some far more serious questions are coming up. It's like, when we really look at the the dads in America right now and, and the plight of some some marginalized fathers, what other information are we looking at? Mm-hmm. Things like for for fathers that are addicts and alcoholics, uh, mm-hmm. uh, to what degree did their lack of fathering or lack of having a father contribute to that? Right. You know, and in some circles there's discussions about well, is that the is everything else really a symptom, and that was a problem? Well, the fact that I had no no father there at at the at a time when I needed one there. Mm-hmm. To mm-hmm. what degree did that go on to shape my life? My my my. You know, Marvin talks. You and Marvin both talks about first of all anyone having a a father story. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and I always had a story. I thought, you know, for a little self disclosure, I've been clean and sober. 33 years and if you ask me my story and the first thing i would do is tell you about my clean and sober journey until you guys sort of say ho 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 wait wait a minute it started before that mm-hmm. and i sort of went wow mm-hmm. what do i have a father story yeah do i and i never would have thought of that and i, I think most people never would think of it and we're just coming to see i think we're coming to a to a place where we really need to look at the significance of that. Yeah. And what 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 answers do we do we get out of that? That's huge. Yeah. That's huge, Johnny. Yeah. And well, being, well, you guys have developed to that. Being you brought uh, that yeah. up, mm-hmm. let's hear your father's story. Well, you know, I was first of all probably one of the most significant things is that I'm a twin. Mm. I, I have a twin brother, ironically with the same first name, 
And mom took that to her grave. But I don't know what little joke she was trying to play, but we have the same first name. So I, I was born to a father who, who worked really hard, physical labor. And um, like I said, we were born in Connecticut at a, and actually lived on the land that of, of the company that he worked for where he, he built a little shack and we actually lived there. So that's with the outhouses and the pumping water and all of that. Um, actually, my father and I, as I understood it, were, were pretty close because he, he just maintain a really close relationship with me versus a very, very, very violent relationship with my twin brother. And I never could figure that out. It, it took years to, and I'm not sure that I've got it all figured out, and I'm still unpacking a lot of that. But it was certainly something to note. And then I had five sisters. Uh, I look up my first day of, of, of grade school, first grade. I come home. I'm trying to tell mom about the experience at school. She gets in a cab with my sisters. They all get in the cab and leave. Mm. And I don't, I'm still unpacking what was actually going on there. But in retrospect, what I've come to understand was just a lot of physical abuse with my mom. Uh, his anger and I'm, the reason why I say I'm unpacking it because I'm just now starting to understand the possibility of his his mental health issues and what he was going through because I still can't explain him demonstrating the kind of love and affection that he had for me and demonstrating really some of the hate that he had for my identical twin brother. I, I still don't understand that. But I'm, I'm, I've become willing to understand that. And all of that is to say that when when asked by Jeanette, you and Marvin to take a look at that, I had just blocked all that out. And when I start to uncover it, it leads me to questions and answers about how I am the way that I am today. I mean, I, I was a pretty good kid in school and got high marks and all that. And bam, turned into a, a, a drug shooting addict. Wow. What happened, yeah. you know? Yeah. And even the way that I, I process things today, I'm sure what I'm finding is that has a lot to do with what my, my experience was with my dad, you know? I wish I was at a different place where my willingness to say a lot more about that was yeah. there, but it's just what it is right now. And I understand, based on some of the conversations with Marvin, that that fathering story far more than my addiction or, or other social issues really started to shape who I am today. You know, the trauma, uh, the trauma of seeing what my twin brother would go through. Yeah. A lot of that stuff shaped who I am today and who I became and, and some of the pursuits that I had in life. So um, it's, it's a question I wish everybody would answer. Yeah. You know, what is your father's story? Yeah. I think right. it, it, it means a lot to know what you really, really feel when you're connected to your father or your mother. I mean, there's mother wounds as well. That sounds like a father wound. Mm -hmm. um, no, well, we don't like have it. all the answers like of how to that. solve yeah. it, all of those issues. Um, but what our hope is, is that by you talking it through, the power of it, consuming you or bringing you to a thought of frustration and anger will help you start to heal. Mm -hmm. um, the healing process can then generate a reconciliation process. And that's what we want to 
encourage. Right, right. I, I might also add another component that I think is a major component to this whole movement. And that is, the question would be, would I want somebody else to go through this? And the answer is no, I wouldn't. But then we tend to forget that our own father wound story or fatherhood story is an, is an antidote to someone else. And that if we're willing to be able to share those antidotes with other people, then that creates a sense of healing within our own self. That's where the father's story empower, becomes empowering, right? Maybe I think about these wounds. Certainly me, I've had those experience, the wounds of fatherlessness and how it impacted my life. But what helped me to turn it around was to really get a sense of how this could help the next person not go through this, how it could help the community not go through this, how I can look to the fact that there are other children growing up in this community and is there something that I can add to this community and so I think to me that's when you look at it that you get a chance to look at it both sides of it the wounded part and the healing part and how powerful that impact is Uh, I just kind of wanted to say that yeah and that made all the sense in the world Marvin especially you know when I think of other parts of my life uh and things that I've gone through and the willingness to sort of self-disclose and share that with people, the impact that I have on it. But to be really honest, it's like over this last interface with, with you and Jeanette, I am personally learning so much about Johnny and mm-hmm. coming to grips with so much about Johnny. Things like recognizing my father's my fathering story, mm-hmm. you know. And so for some of that, as I said earlier, I'm sort of unpacking a whole bunch of that, mm. you know. Some of it I'm, I'm, I'm making big assumptions about, trying to connect the dots. Well, when this was happening, what was causing that to happen? Or So it, the whole act is, is sort of new to me, and I'm, I'm facing it on my time, you know, as I unpack it because I'm learning so much, you know. But I think that the ultimate, I do understand and agree with you completely about the power of self-disclosure and how someone else can benefit benefit from yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's ministry yeah. in its finest. You know what I mean? Um, the, the, the thing that God wills us to a certain degree, right? Or he gives us the ability to work it out certain degree and so i i've just found um comfort in that Mm -hmm. i've really found comfort in that and even when things are not going crazy and not going crazy he i'll get a chance to reflect on a fatherhood story that i've heard from some other father Mm -hmm. right uh or uh now i'm starting to hear fatherhood stories from my own children you know what i mean that that they say but dad when you did this, I understand that now. Those were war- rewards and benefits I had no idea, and I was a participant in that, right? Mm-hmm. But you hear that, and you realize, man, I guess I was making, because my 
my sensitivity says, well, I started out this all wrong. I was a crack addict. I had four children that were um, born crack addicted. So I can't never clean that act up. But your own children began to tell you, yeah, there was some parts of that. Look what you're doing with your life now. Look how you sow into your grandkids. And it's those kind of stories that really I, I call myself tuning out, right? Not really wanting to hear it. But again, the power of um, self-disclosure and the power of being free enough to not only give it, but hear it, receive it. You know what I mean? And I've just found that to be one of the greatest joys in this journey, right? Watching other people form, shape. And, um, I always say this. My wife, Jeanette, was raised with a father, and I see the power that she gathered from that, right? And then one day it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Yeah, well, whatever he put in her, you got the bennies. You married her, so that strength came along with it. And it, I, it, it took me by storm. I was like, you know what? You're right. I, I do. Uh, we get to have it. But, again, the road, how I got there, mm-hmm. caused me not to even look at it or think about it. Well, as I've, I, as I've heard, and, I'm, and just know that I'm listening really closely because, I mean, the whole act for me is a is a therapeutic act, you know, to mm-hmm. to get better and to heal, and to understand better what what was what is or what was the problem, you know, mm-hmm. and just for you to pose that question to me when you did, what was my fathering story? Prior to that, I had not given a clue to that. May have gone as far as what most people do is when you deeply don't want to look some, at something or it's hurt you deep enough. You will deny it, mm-hmm. and yeah. as we know, that's just denial. Yeah. And I'm as as guilty as anybody as that. But there has been rewards because it starts to answer some questions. There's some questions I've had since I was a kid about things and, and actions and situations, and uh, yeah. to become willing to yeah. to look at that is is healing. Is is healing to me. So, so I am I am a little touchy about this situation because it's it's so new to me, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and I agree with you. The power of self disclosure to help others, and and right now I'm on one of those ventures. Like, okay, let's get me helped first. <laughs> <laughs> let's get me helped first. <laughs> and I love that because yeah. there's no way in our mind it makes sense that. I can help somebody by helping me. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make sense. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't. You can't compute that, right? Yeah. I'm not there yet. You know what I mean? <laughs> but that's exactly how it happens. Yeah. But you, know you I mean? are actually closer than what you think, mm-hmm. because again, back to recognizing what it is that you battle with, what the problem is, and then admitting it. Mm-hmm. That is the first step of recognizing yeah. and meeting your change. That's you know, right. moving to change. So as you continue to process, um, even revisit some of the days, the hours, the moments with your father, um, 
may more healing and release happen begin to happen for right, you. Right. Here at Dads, that's all we ask for is the transparency of your situation because until we know the facts, we can't do any fixing. Right, right. You know, you got to have all the details so you can know what pieces to pull out, leave out, mm-hmm. or add in. And just just think, there there is, as significant as those kinds of issues are, mm-hmm. my father, as significant mm-hmm. as that is to my life, and now my child's life, the way I interact right. as a father, to think that those discussions are happening nowhere. Mm. Nowhere. As significant a piece as that is, it is happening nowhere. And just like we were talking this morning, Jeanette, about the parenting class, to see some guys open up that it's pretty clear. They're tight-lipped, feeling strong, and they're yeah. not saying a word. Right. But then they come forth after the class and say, hey, can we make sure I talk next week? There it is. You know, there it is. that says, and you said it this morning, they felt safe mm-hmm. to do that. Mm-hmm. And this, the dad's environments here, even as an employee here now, beyond that, it feels safe to to go ahead and and uncover that or to, to reveal that that information, Marvin, mm-hmm. as you were asking about. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank I'm, you, Johnny. It's, I'm sorry, hon. It's good to hear that. It's so good to hear that in these classes, because Marvin and I are not there. Mm-hmm. We used to run them all the time. Um, so we would definitely be able to see the change and watch the change happen. But to now hear staff taking on those positions and then being able to share what they have witnessed yeah. is a, I mean, it's a dream come true. Right. That means that this work is transferable, and it means that others can have that same passion that Marvin and I have carried for 24, going on 25 years, to see that these men have a safe place, that they feel welcome, that they feel like they can be vulnerable, Mm -hmm. and their vulnerability will not be used against them, but to enhance them. Yeah, I was just kind of thinking about... um, in the beginning stages, we had no clue where this was going to rise to and um, and the impact that it was going to make on the culture for men to be able to step. I just had a desire. I just wanted my kids back in my life, right? Only, and I wanted to do better by them. But to look at the complexities of fatherlessness, I'm sitting in this room listening to two people who I love dearly talk about this. And I I feel like um, as African-Americans, you know, where did we get the desire to want to even approach this topic? You know what I mean? And not be angry or, or, or mad because we were stripped at some point of the opportunities, right? Mm-hmm. But then if we do that, then we're stuck in time, Right. And who suffers from that? I I think our children do. Our children. You know what I mean? That's right. And so we can't even afford to be stuck in time. We got to move through time with this. And I think that um, as I sit here and listen and talk with you guys, that that's exactly what we get a chance to do, move through that. When you think about your son, when you think about your grandson, when I think about my son, my grandsons, my granddaughters, the the. Really, the desire to want to move the narrative, move the needle, 
was really because we were thinking about them. You know, mm-hmm. when we say when we say, "What's your father's story?" The whole purpose of the father's story is to tell you where that started, where we are, and where we need to go. Mm-hmm. Where is it we're trying to get to, mm-hmm. and and really to make it as as painful as it might have been for us. We want to make sure that we create it to be as less painful for right, them. Right, you know what I mean? Right, right. And how we do that, I, I, I don't know the recipe, but I think conversation, honest conversation about where we've been. And transparency. Yeah, and where we want to go. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I'm, I'm a staunch believer of that, right? Um, yeah. I had a conversation with little Marvin this morning. On Tuesday, he was sitting in a restaurant with his son, talking with a friend of him about what is it like and what he needs to do for home ownership. And I was talking to him. I said, uh, you know, I, I, I'm sorry I wasn't able to be there with you. He said, no, Dad, that was designed that way. He said, I didn't call you. I felt confident enough to go into this meeting and have this conversation with this. And I'm saying, man, he gets it. He gets it, right? And, and then I just shut it down right there and said, okay, let me see the continuous story. Well, this was the same kid I grabbed from track house to crack house, right? Mm-hmm. And now looking at him being a father, working for the post office, and now having dialogues about becoming a homeowner. You know, I'm like, come on, man. You see this chest pop out? You see his chest? <laughs> that chest got to rise. You know, it's... But rightfully so. Those are the things. Yeah. Those are the things that I hope we generate mm-hmm. conversation, content through this podcast. Just being honest and open and having dialogue right. that gives people inspiration, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, the good, the bad, and the ugly... Yeah. Make a difference. Yeah. You know, we can't all have roses like we want to, and it can't always be ugly. You know, there, right. there, there needs to be a little balance here. And what you just heard from Marvin was that through all of his challenges from when the baby was a baby to the middle teenage years to his adulthood to now his own fatherhood, there's going to be those transition, and each one is going to bring its own weight to bear. Yeah. And this young man is now bearing a weight he didn't even think he would be able to master. But it's a good feeling. And every father wants to have a proud moment with his children. Or not a proud moment, but many proud Mm -hmm. moments. And I think we as a society need to open that up and make that more possible um, for fathers to be engaged and be a part of their children's lives. So I think we're... We're coming to a close here, but I definitely want to thank you, Johnny Gage, for joining us today. And as always, my husband and I love the work that we do. We love to watch the life-changing effect that it has. And we offer the opportunity for others to come and join us, to come meet us, to come talk with us, um, to be a part of the work of dads. We call it the ministry of dads because it is a ministry that serves lives and hopefully changes lives. Yeah, thank you for giving us an opportunity to uh, listen to us and hear us and uh, walk alongside of us. I I didn't have a clue about how to do a podcast and how to um, 
let this thing do what it is. It is the new era of social media and mm-hmm. media uh, impacts. But um, we just dads wanted to see how could we participate in it? How could we create an opportunity for folks to hear genuine live stories about what's taking place? And hopefully this gives you inspiration to create the same entity in your own home or your own community mm-hmm. um, just reach out to us our web address is uh, aboutdads.org that's www.aboutdads.org and um, I'm sure uh, we would reach back out to you if you were to connect us there is uh, Jeanette help me here is the mm-hmm. uh, Info at About Dads is the email address. Yeah, if you go to the website, it will automatically take you to a space where you can leave a comment where you'd like to connect with us. Someone will will get back to you. Um, We'd love to connect. We'd love to learn together and grow together. Yes, our phone number is also 206-722-3137. Again, that's 206 Seven two two three one three seven. We hope to hear from you soon, and God bless you. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Color Him Dads. We hope today's episode has helped with your own struggles. Be sure to check back next week for another new episode with Marvin and Jeanette. Until then, have a blessed week.